The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Futures are steady amid this earnings deluge today. Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, McDonald's, Pfizer, Visa. We got the CEOs of Boeing, AMD, and Starbucks this hour. And we're going to get to all of that ahead of the Fed decision this afternoon. Let's kick off with Apple, though, down in the pre-market, a warning about the global chip shortage and uh, how that might impact uh, future operations. Jim, along with this notion from Cook that uh, COVID recovery, at least globally, is going to be an uneven path. Well, I think that to not say that would be irresponsible when the CDC has made me feel like oh, this N95. I'm no longer fooling around with anything else because the CDC and Mike Roman from 3M are telling you the N95. So what is he going to do? What's he supposed to do? He doesn't have everyone back in the office. It's, un, it's uneven. As far as the chip shortage, it, all, not all fabs are equal. Uh, there'll be some fabs that don't want to lose Apple's business in the same way that Skyworks isn't going to be able to, isn't going to suddenly say, hey, listen, Apple, you're out. So I, I'm not as bearish on the chip shortage as many others in the industry because guys are working around the clock uh, to be able to create what's known as the, the full the full feature chip. It's no longer the dumb chip. You can't have full feature. So, uh, David, right. I think that when you listen to AMD, yeah. Lisa Sue. Yes, which we'll, who we'll have on uh, shortly. Exactly. Uh, there are chip Your second shortage. favorite, Lisa. Oh, depends on the day. Right. Um, my <laughs> wife's name is Lee. That was probably wrong. Right. She doesn't watch. She doesn't watch. She doesn't watch either. There's show. your maybe your first I, favorite. She, Lisa. She's from 10 blocks away from from my favorite. Lisa. Y- yes. She's from my hometown. Too. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. But what I think does matter, David, is, yes. is that you can pontificate on the chip shortage, but you might be wrong and you might be too negative. And I felt, thought it was incredible that they even had the chips that they got this quarter. I do think that there are many people who believe the chip shortage is going to come to an end by the end of Q3. And then you're going to say, why did I sell Apple? I mean, now there's a fellow, Tony Saganegi, has come on. And it's good to have him on once a week or two, twice a week because he's so rigorous. Um, well, you know, speaking of uh, Apple and its stock price, I would love to sort of get your sense as to where things stand right now. The, the, the revenue growth, by the way, not just at Apple, but at Microsoft and at Alphabet in particular. 57%, by the way, constant currency at Google. I, I, who's ever seen numbers like that? No, no the line? numbers are extraordinary. Uh, 21% at Microsoft and 36% revenue growth at Apple. Not to mention 17.4948 billion in recurring rev- or in service right. revenue. But did it run up into the expectation for this quarter? And is it appropriately valued at, let's call it, 29, 30 times? Uh, or is this still a good time, in your opinion, to buy the stock? I think that it is a good time, particularly if this day goes as I think it is, which is that there are a lot of, like, I don't know if you listened to Steve Weiss yesterday. I mean, he was buying puts left and right. That's one Scott, Scott Wadden yep. show. I, yep. I don't think that's necessarily going to be his way to go when I look at Fang. But I do think that when I listen to Apple and I talked to Tim, Tim Cook last night, along with Josh Lipton, I'd say uh, as bullish as I've heard. And don't forget, the 
customer loyalty is so great that if they can't deliver the, the, the chips and therefore the phones this quarter, then you've got an even more elongated. Yeah, well, it's And by the way, they did not use the term super cycle. You're loyal because you're a hostage. I mean, you're basically you're hostage. Not, Maybe you're, I spent hostage. I spent three hours hostage? in an Apple store this weekend. Hostage? You know that they they couldn't even let us buy a phone for three hours. We had to sit there I, and I was wait. In, I was oh. in the Fifth Avenue store yesterday. It was slamming. I did notice, Jim, 75 percent of watch customers were new to the product, and in China, 85 percent, 85 percent of watch customers are new to the I, category. I asked him what, why bother. Uh, it, how can it move the needle? And he said, well, do you think healthcare? basically healthcare moves the needle? And I said, yes, the watch is incredible. Uh, I find people wearing watches who've never even thought about wearing a watch. David, take that. I don't uh, the, think- wearables, the wearables numbers are enormous well, for hey, the company. Uh, well, you know, it's everything. I mean, it's obviously, in, what, 34 billion or something like that. How long did you wait in, in line? We well, we put our name in. They couldn't see us for two hours well, and forty-five minutes. Have to schedule way, yes. your appearance well, to buy David, an eight hundred dollar uh, phone. David, let me send you what a Samsung. Samsung. What let, company let in the me, world? They're makes trying you wait to working around the hours to they're buy an eight hundred dollar phone. Why don't you go to Samsung? By the way, when your kid your Nokia has a phone? pen that didn't work three times and they won't even take it back. I'm sorry. A it pen? was a rough weekend <laughs> with <laughs> Apple. Well, David, I think there's lots of alternatives. There's um, yeah, there was an alternative. Uh, Stupid me, I should have gone to Verizon. That. I probably could have gotten the phone for Verizon, free. ATT's bought a million of them, or millions of them. What, you know, because ATT's got to maintain. They, ATT has to cut the dividends in order to be able to buy an Apple phone. Listen, when you have customers who are willing to wait three hours to actually spend eight hundred bucks on your phone, then you're in a pretty good place. Well, that's my point. I know, mine that's too. That's my point. Mine too. Had you spent five hours, I'd pay one fifty. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, if you put Apple, Google, Microsoft together. It's $57 billion in combined profit for the quarter. That's 30% ahead. It's $620 million a day in profit from three companies. I mean, uh, I think people have to go listen to the alphabet call to listen to Pinchot, what, what he says, to listen to Ruth. All right. Um, I want to work at alphabet. Period. End of story. I mean, they're making so much money uh, and spending so little to make that money that I think we all want to work at alphabet. Uh, it, by the way, cloud is going to be the next thing that they have. YouTube, I, they're, they're reaching customers that no one else can reach in YouTube. Can I say that if you had to, if someone were writing, let's say someone was writing Pinch Eyes Call, I, I would say, hey, listen, I want it to be the most positive call ever. It would be and this, that's, it and that's what they call. did. I know Q2 revenue and cloud up to You didn't want to work at Waymo after that? And YouTube numbers were almost a double in oh, terms of ads. No, I know, I know we, got to, we have to go to Carl. All right. Uh, we have to, yeah, we got to get to Carl. We got to get to Boeing. We have a Bo- Oh, my God. That's another one that David we're probably gonna, thinks isn't gonna, that good. We're going to pack this hour. Uh, let's get to Boeing up in the pre-market. Uh, surprise profit uh, and a uh, lot of news on production rates and everything else. Phil LeBeau, good morning. Good morning, Carl. I am joined by Dave Calhoun, president and CEO of Boeing. A surprise profit, first time since Q3 of 2019. Some people will look at this and they'll say, well, you're delivering more maxes and that's the only reason why. But you had a number of drivers in here that I think people may not have fully appreciated, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's good to be with you, Phil. I, 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 will, I will recall the last time in person was pre-COVID. Yes. So, anyway, I <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, it was a great quarter. We are in a transition year. We've talked about that. This is indicative of that transition. Nowhere near where we, where we want to be when we get a full recovery, but clearly on a, on a good path to get there. Uh, the market is coming back, as we've discussed, mostly domestic traffic, narrow, body, narrow bodies. And we are about halfway through the return to service in our, on our MAX products, and they're performing incredibly well. Customers are happy with it. Flying public is happy with it. So we're feeling very good about that. Our defense business 
very, very solid quarter. Absent the charges that, unfortunately, investors became accustomed to for a while, but for good reasons. We are really working on the stability of the overall uh, operations and, very importantly, investing in the tanker, which is a critical asset for the warfighter. Finally, as you heard yesterday from our engine suppliers, the services market, as uh, fleets are returned to service, is beginning to hum. And so we had a good lift in our uh, global services business. Let's talk about the 737 MAX. You have increased deliveries, but as you see the COVID variant spreading around the country, spreading around the world, um, two questions here. One, does it impact your production schedule? Does it impact how you think the global recovery will happen in terms of commercial air travel? We've seen a real resurgence. Does it pull back, or do you think we're going to power through this as an industry? It's not helpful. Uh, That's clear. Um, I don't think this is going to have severe repercussions. I really don't. Um, The one thing that we have cleared with the flying public and with the help of all of our customers is that the safest indoor spot you can be in with respect to transmission is, in fact, the fuselage of an airplane. Um, And people know that now, and everybody's knowledgeable about it. That helps a lot. I do think it slows down the development of protocols around the world such that the wide-body return, it may elongate it somewhat. I, I still think we are completely dependent on distribution of that vaccine and uh, penetration of the vaccine in every population. That is the most important uh, track that we can follow. You talk about wide bodies. Let's talk about the 787 Dreamliner. You have halted deliveries while you are working on the inspection process, uh, working out some type of an agreement ultimately with the FAA. But as you're uncovering more problems... Critics are looking at you guys and saying, look, is there a problem with the execution, the manufacturing of commercial aircraft at Boeing? Because it seems like there's one problem after another. Yeah. Is there a problem? Well, let me start just by characterizing it. This is Boeing being tough on Boeing. Right? We started the inspection process from nose to tail. Um, because when we get to rate recovery, let's assume rate recovery starts in the second half of next year. And I, I believe strongly that it will. When we get to that moment, we have to be perfect. We have one site. We've got to get every quality issue that's ever found its way into an airplane, and we've got to get it out, and we've got to get it solved at its source. And that's what we're doing. We've had enormous help from our supply chain. These are very complex, very precise uh, uh, fixes to, that, to the airplane. Nowhere near the safety window, but clearly things we want to do to stabilize that overall production system. Most of these conditions were pre-existing almost from the start. Um, So as we work our way through them, as we work our way through them, we're going to be that much better when recovery comes. Our team has demonstrated an awful lot of courage to go out and find them and then to fix them, and they're working transparently with the FAA. And the FAA, every step of the way, has worked with us. They're good. They're thorough. They do their job. We have to give them time to do it. But this is all good for Boeing. That recovery, when it comes, we have to be ready and we have to be great when when it's here. Dave, Jim's got a question for you. Jim, go ahead. Um, thank, thank you, Phil. Uh, Dave, first, congratulations on a quarter that I think few were looking for. There are a lot of people who feel that the timeline of Boeing being back and the timeline for aerospace returning uh, to its glory is 224. When I look at these, uh, two, you know, 2024, when I look at your numbers, I'm almost thinking, let's say your stock goes to 300, you could actually offer $5 billion of stock. I wouldn't mind that. But if, maybe this is a 2023 turnaround. And the people who say 2024 are, quite frankly, Dave, too negative. Well, honestly, I'm a, I, I do believe that, that that 
question and the, the presumption in it is, is correct. I, I, we have to be ready for recovery in 23 and significant recovery. Um, domestic travel is already returning. We're getting close to where we were pre-COVID, and then we will get back on that, uh, that growth track. I do think the protocols between countries and the harmonization of the protocols and then vaccine penetration as we move into through course of 2022, I believe by the time we get to the second half of 22, all of the airlines around the world are going to be planning for and beginning to uh, bring up their international operations. So um, nothing's certain, but yes, I, I share that point of view. I'm, I'm more optimistic than I have been um, in, a, in quite a while on that front. And it is part of the reason why we stabilized our employment and, and uh, again, uh, sent the message to our folks that we're done with the cuts, we're done with uh, minimiz minimizing rates, and, and it's time to get ready for, for maximizing rates. All right, did we worry about execution? Is it time to get out to the factory floor, let's say four times uh, a week, and then fly to, uh, to Beijing at several times? Because yeah. China's yeah. the key. Why should we wait for the U.S. government to help you? Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And by the way, we, we do do all of that. Um, by the first two months of this year, uh, Phil and I were talking. I was in South Carolina. I moved to South Carolina so that we set up this program the, w the way it is. And I, again, I'm very proud of that team for what they're doing. Every week we go through it. Um, every decision they make, we're all together. Um, and I believe it's all for the long-term good of our, of our people and the flying public. Um, anyway, so we do all of that. We similarly work on our relationships in China, which are very constructive. We work directly with the airlines. Uh, they have 100 airplanes, uh, maxes, on the ground that want to get back in the air. The CAAC continues to work with us. They're thorough. They're good. It's been constructive, and it's moving forward. So I do feel good about all of that. The bigger tensions with China, they are going to be what they're going to be. But our relationships and our willingness to work closely with our Chinese customer, it's there, and we're going to continue down that path. I remain optimistic on that. Dave, you were talking about the bigger tensions with China. All of this comes down to whether or not the policy changes. You don't want to get into that discussion. What you want to do is do business. Yeah. And we haven't seen a large order from a Chinese airline, what, four years, five years for Boeing? At what point do you become worried that if there is not a new order coming along, you're going to have to change your production rates? Well, uh, I probably look into the middle of next year, and I, that, that is that moment when we've got to you know, resurrect that order book. Now, the order book hasn't gone to the other guy yet, right? So they similarly right. have uh, been, been, been in a bit of a vacuum. Um, but I, our government is well aware that if we seed the Chinese market, the, the Europeans will simply fill it. And that will be the difference between world leadership or not. And that represents roughly a million jobs in our supply chain, including the Boeing uh, assembly operations. So there is cognizance on, on, on the administration's part about what, how meaningful that is. There is a need in the Chinese side of this one to do it. We, we will be the free trade spokesperson. We will work hard to do everything we can for our Chinese customer. And I'm optimistic that we will move down that path. Quickly, I want to ask you about something that increasingly corporations are facing, and that's data security, data breaches, whether it's ransomware attacks, whatever it might be. Do you find yourself and your executive team spending more time than ever focused on making sure that there are not data breaches and that your networks and your operations are secure? Uh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's mandatory, of course, for us. We, we serve the, our, our military and our sure. warfighters, so it's mandatory in every way you can think of. 
Um, we're pretty good at it, and yet we wake up every day scared to death because we are attacked on a very regular basis, just like everybody else in corporate America. So that happens to us. We know how to remediate. We know how to get ahead of it. And in, in, in some cases, we, we play offense with, our, with our, our partners in the military. So there's a lot we know about it. It's real. Every company is investing you know, hand over fist in it, and we have to. We simply have to. You've got the Starliner launch coming up on Friday. Yeah. Uh, and we talked last year um, about the importance of this. We all know what happened with your guys' previous launch. Yep. Um, do you feel there's been a portrayal of Boeing being behind when it comes to the space race, if you will? Do you feel that way, or do you feel that you're still in position to capitalize on the opportunities that are there? Yeah, no, no. I feel very strongly that we will capitalize on those opportunities. Um, you know, we operate in deep space. That's, that's what Boeing does. And uh, it has its set of challenges, and we're, we think we're pretty good at it. Um, I can't wait for Friday. I am optimistic, confident in every way I can be that we're going to have a successful, you know, tag with the with, with the space station. We're ready for the crewed flight. We can't wait for that one to happen as well. Um, and it will keep moving. We, we're also ready. The space launch system itself is now standing vertical. It's unbelievably impressive. And all of this has gone on while we've been battling COVID. So, uh, yeah, I've, I'm very confident in it. We have real vested interest in space. Space is going to be a good market for us, and we're going to continue to uh, invest in it. Dave, thank you for joining us. Yeah, appreciate it's it. good to be here in person. It sure is. Yeah, it it sure is. Almost, almost two years uh, yeah. since we did this last. Guys, we'll send it back to you on a big day for Boeing as they uh, beat the street with Q2 numbers at surprise profit. Yeah, uh, Phil, great stuff. It looks like Boeing is going to add at least 80 points uh, to the Dow at the Open. Got some more big CEO interviews on tap. Do not miss Kevin Johnson at Starbucks and AMD's Lisa Sue uh, later on this hour. Lots of earnings to get to this morning and futures pretty steady ahead of a Fed decision later today. More squawk on the street straight ahead. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Pair of tech giants rising after posting quarterly beats. Uh, Google parent Alphabet gets a lift from that surge in online ad spend, while Microsoft's results were driven by growth in cloud. Looking at some of the price targets this morning on Alphabet, Jim, uh, 31.50 over at MKM, 31.55 at B of A. A lot of three handles today. Well, I, I, I'm going to offer some caution of what, what could turn things around, although I 
I mean, Chapel Stone's alphabet, and I thought it was an amazing quarter. There will be people who say, well, wait a second. If you combine what the CDC is saying with the variant that has us wearing masks again, that will cut travel advertising, which is so important to alphabet. And I think you're going to hear, hear that narrative in the Fang is dead uh, by 2 o'clock. We'll have a lot of Fang is dead commentary, which will be inc- incorrect, but so what? And I really want to urge people to strap the, just strap yourself to the mask because this was a perfect quarter. Uh, YouTube, great. We're going to be hearing about more about Google Cloud, which was great. Uh, very positive commentary about Waymo, but search was fantastic. And I know that the negativists are going to be very quick. This stock was up 100 and it was down at one point to be able to say, wait a second, the world is closing again. The reopening trade is done. Yeah. So, well, well, David, I don't know if you heard the CDC. I, I, I did. I did. Uh, you know, listen, we've had this digitization take place. We all know it in a year. They, by the way, they're coming off of what was a flat year over year number. So right. they were up 57 percent constant currency. They weren't down 20 to 19. They were just flat 20 to 19. So a 55 plus percent, let's call it, over 2019 numbers. It's it's incredible. It is incredible. Um, we're not talking at all, though, about, I mean, obviously the size of these companies, the power that they have, YouTube, we all know the rabbit hole that that can be for some conspiracy theorists and the like. Right. Um, continued focus of um, regulation. That doesn't seem to be something people no. are overly concerned no, about, none of at the least analysts on the were. investor side. None of the analysts. And I think, David, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you want to reach certain people, what they said is you can reach them on YouTube that you can't get on TV at a, at a so fraction of the cost quick, of TV. Jim, Facebook tonight, what do these numbers mean for Facebook? Well, unless Facebook decides to self-immolate, the number's going to be excellent. That's been the theme of the week so far, and we will get more on, on Microsoft after the break. Shares of AMD and Starbucks going in some opposite directions today following their respective earnings reports. We're going to talk to the CEOs of both companies after the opening bell, which starts in about seven minutes. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Shortly after the opening bell, do not miss AMD's Lisa Sue, followed by Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson as Squawk on the Street returns in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. All right, we got so much to get to today. Uh, let's get to a mad dash, though, before an opening bell. McDonald's is another well, company the, that just reported earnings. The BTS Mule showcased the pillars of a growth strategy. I might want to ask Carl about that in a second. But here's, here's the, the issue with a stock like McDonald's. This stock has been up endlessly. But I thought this quarter was terrific. And they're saying some good things about staffing. They're saying some good things about what happens when you open a place. But when you listen to the CDC, you say, oh, my, is this going to be another case where the great reopening is postponed? Because that's going to hurt McDonald's. So overall, I thought it was a terrific quarter. I think they're doing a lot of right things. The numbers themselves are rather big in terms of what they're doing, same-store sales. So, David, I, I like the quarter very much. Uh, stock's not looking uh, to, to be up when we start trading in about 50 well, seconds. I think that it's up so much. And, Carl, you know the company very much. And this is a, a quarter that you would have dreamed for. They got uh, the 
same store sales two-year up 14.9. You got to be impressed. Uh, up 15 on a two-year stack. Uh, 70% of U.S. dining rooms are open, and they think 100% will be open by Labor Day. To your point about restrictions. So the stock. Let's not necessarily take our cue from the stock. Take our cue from the quarter, which is quite excellent. That's what I have to say. Here's the opening bell and the CNBC real-time exchange of the big board. It's a power school celebrating an IPO at the NASDAQ. A Duolingo also celebrating an IPO. And we'll talk to the co-founder and CEO later this morning. Wow. Well, um, all I can say is that uh, the Richmond Greyhounds, uh, the people who watched them did not cheer as much as these guys. And there, of course, I'm talking about Ted Lasso, baby. Love Ted Lasso. You haven't watched Ted Lasso? Not happy with Apple, but I love Ted Lasso. There you go. Yeah. He did something. I love Ted Lasso. We, although we haven't watched it yet. It just came out, what, July 23rd, I think it was released. Right. Looking forward to watching it. A lot of my friends are buzzing about it, which is yeah. I mean, the second season. Watch the first yeah. season. And my wife and I found something to watch together, Lisa. The first time, you know, feel good. Yeah. It was a good yeah. show. One more, one more way in which Apple's getting into our lives. Azure, Jim, up 45, um, and they are guiding similarly for the quarter to come, which yeah. is sort of a big t- a pivot point of debate on Microsoft today. Yeah, it's funny. They, they use this term, relatively stable. And I found that that was, that was like the duck coming down with uh, Groucho Marx. I mean, suddenly we said, wait a second. I, I, I just heard something that's negative. And the stock dropped five quick points. Uh, I, I parsed everything that they had to say, and Amy Hood has never been the CFO has never been this bullish. And if they got rid of the, all they had to do was say it's stable uh, to positive, which it probably will be, and the stock would even be higher. But I think that when people speak to uh, to Microsoft, they realize it's still their time. And these Azure numbers are I'm only used to them for being small cap companies to have that kind of growth. Right. I mean, their commercial cloud, this is not all of Azure, commercial cloud is $69 billion in annual revenue. That's an annual number. That was up 34%. Obviously, we always we like to look at AWS. We'll get a snapshot of that uh, towards the end of the week when Amazon reports. Um, Microsoft. And then, of course, we also heard from Alphabet. Alphabet, the smallest, but growing the fastest, I believe, right. yes. at least based on these last quarterly numbers. But, but you, you have things like LinkedIn doing $10 billion, uh, up 27%. You have Xbox demand continuing. I thought this was interesting. Xbox, this is a Ryan uh, Cohen issue. I would be, uh, the mean people should actually be buying GameStop off this. Uh, demand continues to exceed supply. Now, I hate to ever say anything positive about those guys because they hate me so much, but demand is continuing to exceed supply for the Xbox is good for GameStop. Right. Uh, GME, by the way, is going to join the S&P Midcap 400. And I saw a flashhead that they're going to rebrand in Canada as EB Games, Jim. Uh, stock's down about a percent, but we'll watch GameStop well, today. When I listen to what, uh, what Brian Goldenred is saying and, and what Mattel is saying, uh, and then most importantly, perhaps what Logitech is saying, which is makes gear... It made me again bullish on GameStop, which is that the, you know game, he's talking about. Uh, here we're talking about uh, Brack and Daryl that the EV games that they're going to be so big that people want to play these games so much, which is what I've been urging. Uh, I've been urging Ryan Cohen, who of course is the savior of GameStop, to do this, but um, he's very opaque on his plans. 
I did, guys, before, uh, we're going to get to AMD in just a second. Didn't want to hit Spotify because those shares are down 8%. Right. The company also reporting numbers. Uh, total monthly average users t- up 22% at Spotify. Uh, 365 million people uh, for the quarter around the globe, but that was a bit below expectations. Right. Now, free, free I have heard that they've been telling investors they weren't marketing, uh, that they were not actively marketing during the quarter. They've resumed that, and perhaps that will uh, ameliorate some of the concerns around a number that came in a bit below uh, guidance and right. what the street had looked for. But you can see Spotify shares are down well, 7%. Brazil and India, a growth markets fin that they're not doing much in. Right, that they weren't doing a lot of marketing yeah. in. Okay. Yes. Very good. Now we're going to talk to some a stock that should be up much more, but we've got a real negative tone to the market. Shares of AMD are indeed, though, higher this morning. And that follows incredibly strong uh, Q2 results. Chipmaker also raising its full-year revenue guidance. Uh, joining us now exclusively, AMD CEO, Lisa Sue. how are you? Hey, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Carl and David. Great to be with you today. Now, uh, Lisa, I want to focus on the demand side for a moment. It seems like there's demand throughout the chain, including, including for AMD Enterprise. Every chip seems to have a, a buyer and then some. Is that a correct interpretation of this quarter? Yeah, I think that's uh, very correct, Jim. I mean, it's a, a very strong demand environment. And uh, in particular, we're seeing very strong preference for AMD products um, across our business. You know, we're very happy with our results. Uh, we nearly doubled revenue, doubled operating margins, tripled profitability. So it was a very strong quarter. And it starts with you know, Jesse, there's very high demand. We're in the right markets, and, um, you know, our products are doing very well. Well, I know that you have always been loath, as many times as I try to get you to do, uh, to knock the competition. But you did say this time, a little break of, uh, of, of what I regard as being your lack of willingness to slam anyone. You say, we continue to gain rev- revenue share. And that, what that means is, you know, we're focusing on the most strategic segments of the PC market. That was always the bailiwick of a company called Intel. So you must be continuing to be ahead of Intel when it comes to the chips that these PC makers want. Well, you know, as you know, um, the PC market has been uh, very strong for uh, very strong last year, very strong the first half of this year. Uh, you know, we've been focused on the most strategic segments of the PC market. So things like, uh, you know, notebooks um, have been very strong, gaming notebooks, uh, premium consumer notebooks, commercial notebooks, and uh, we've done well. And so, yes, we believe we gained revenue share. It was a record uh, for our PC business, and we continue to believe that we're, um, we're having more customers actually prefer, you know, AMD, just given the strength of our products and, and the, uh, the work that we're doing with our customers. All right, let's go to Italy for a second. Uh, Rome, very popular chip. Milan, exceeding Rome in terms of popularity. You've got Genoa next. Let's, tur- let's turn that into something our viewers understand, not just the companies that order. What you're saying is as you get smaller and more powerful chips, it seems like you're pulling away from companies with this roadmap that you have. Well, you know, the data center, I mean, you talk about it a lot, you know, with cloud and, and what's going on in enterprise and for, you know, high performance, um, you know, supercomputing. I mean, it's a growth market. It's a secular growth market uh, that is, uh, you know, really, really strategic uh, to AMD. It's strategic to the world if you think about all of the infrastructure and everything that we're powering. And so we laid out this long term roadmap. And as you said, it's actually a, a map through uh, Italy. Uh, but, you know, Rome was our, um, our second generation uh, data center product. Um, it's done very well. It's done very well, particularly amongst 
um, you know, both cloud and, and supercomputing, you know, sort of the largest computers in the world. Um, and then we just recently launched uh, Milan. And again, that is uh, going very well. We doubled uh, Milan shipments um, in the second quarter, and that'll continue to grow into the second half of the year. And then, you know, we don't stop there, Jim. I mean, this is all about always bringing, you know, the best to the marketplace. Um, so our next generation uh, chip is called Genoa, and that'll come out uh, next year in uh, five nanometer technology, and that's right on track. So it's about always giving our customers and really the market more performance uh, so that we can do all these great things we want to do with, um, with computing. Yeah, as we're speaking, I want to urge people who are selling the stock to understand that this was as, pl- as perfect a quarter as I've seen, but maybe perfection doesn't intrigue people anymore. Uh, one thing that, uh, that I, you know I was disappointed in was that I'm just praying that the authorities, it's out of your hands, will prove Xilinx, which you mentioned in the quarter as being something that you really want to diversify into. If you could just describe from what, I, I don't know how opaque the regulators are, Lisa, but if you could describe what people, what regulators might be uh, concerned about, it would certainly assuage my feeling that Xilinx will uh, indeed get, get done this year. Well, look, Jim, we're very excited about the Xilinx acquisition. Um, I, we think it's good for technology. I think it's good for our customers because we can really, uh, you know, optimize technologies together. It's good for the company because we'll diversify our overall revenue base. Uh, we were encouraged in the second quarter in that we uh, passed some key regulatory milestones, including unconditional approval uh, by the EU and by uh, the UK. And uh, we're going through our regulatory process, and I would say it's going exactly as we expected it to go. So these things take a little bit of time, but, you know, we believe that we're on track to close uh, by the end of this year. And, and I think what you'll see from the combination of, you know, AMD with the strength in our computing capabilities and Xilinx with their strength in adaptive computing will just be a force, um, you know, a really exciting, uh, you know, company as we, uh, as we come together. So very much on track, uh, very much as we expected, and it's just a process that, uh, that we're working through at, at this point. Lisa, it's David. Uh, a quick a diversionary question here for me uh, on the topic of uh, bringing people back to the office. You know, I'm just curious, have you made your final decisions in terms of what your expectations are for your workforce, uh, what they want versus what you want? Is it the same thing? Uh, and what does it look like? Well, David, thanks for that question. And I, I will say, you know, first of all, I'm so proud of, you know, our AMD employees. I mean, I think we've executed very well. Uh, you know, through this last, uh, you know, 15, 16 months, it's been difficult, um, you know, for everyone. Uh, what we've taken very much is a, um, a, a, a manner of uh, we're working with our employees in various geographies. We're a global company. So depending on the geography, you have a different, um, you know, different elements of, um, of the pandemic. Uh, right now, we're giving people a lot of flexibility in terms of how they do that. So we do have um, some people starting to return to the office, uh, but we're doing it in a very, um, you know, sort of a flexible fashion. And uh, I think people are happy with that. So I feel great about the execution. I think that's one of the things that's key is whether we're in the office or we're working from home or we're working from anywhere um, that, you know, we're able to execute um, on all of our roadmaps and all of our commitments to our customers, which is absolutely critical. Lisa, real quick, do you you expect that you're going to have people back in the office full time? Is it only going to be two days a week? Do you have a sense for that? Yeah, what, we, what we've said is we expect people um, to mostly come back to the office, you know, at least three days a week. And, um, and then we, you know, we've given people plenty of flexibility. So if you have um, any situation that, um, you know, would, uh, that would be difficult, then, you know, we've said, fine, let's, let's make sure that we work it out. And we'll, um, you know, we do believe that, you know, there is um, collaboration 
that you benefit from when you're uh, together. But we also understand that uh, you know people need flexibility, and and again, our business allows that, as you can see from the strong execution uh, that we've shown. Lisa Sue, it is great to have you on this show. Congratulations for everything you've done for shareholders. It's been a remarkable run, and it's always great to see you. Thanks so much, guys. All right, Carl, back to you. Thanks. When we come back, we'll talk to Starbucks' Kevin Johnson in another first on CNBC interview. First, though, take a look at the bond report. Let's look at Treasuries this morning with the Fed statement due out in just a few hours from now. Yields are up across the board 10 years, right around 126. We're back in a moment. NASDAQ getting killed here. Shares of uh, Starbucks on the NASDAQ moving lower despite an earnings beat. Joining us now, first on CBC, is Starbucks president and CEO Kevin Johnson. Kevin, we always enjoy you coming on the show, uh, good or bad. I thought this was a good one, but welcome. Well, good morning, Jim. Kevin, you're doing something that I didn't think was possible. It is very clear that you're doing custom-made at scale. Is that technology? Is that your team being proficient? Or is it just you have the right uh, drinks and people just know what to ask for and you guys are ready? Jim, you know, one of the key differentiators of Starbucks is the fact that uh, we've got a, a great beverage platform that resonates with customers, and it's customized, it's personalized for each and every customer. And you're seeing that's, that's one of the things that is powering these record results. You know, you point out we had a, we had a significant beat on uh, top-line revenue, a significant beat on earnings per share, and this was a record quarter. And in many ways, it was a record quarter because of the customer experience we create in our stores, the beverage platforms that we've uh, introduced, and digital. And those three elements, the customer experience, beverage, and digital, are powering these results. All right. Now, just so you know, Dave, we want to post this for you. Google's down today. So you, uh, well, well, it's barely up. So you know that it doesn't really matter what Starbucks says. Uh, Kevin, I think that's very interesting. People are going to say, well, wait a second. Why is it down? Uh, and there was a J.P. Morgan analyst who basically said uh, the, pre- the ticket was actually down in China, which isn't very common, especially in an inflationary environment, and that China is not doing well. Can you um, put that in context, please? Well, the best way to, to look at this, Jim, is if, if you look at revenue growth in China over a two-year period. So let's just take fiscal year 19. We grew revenue 23 percent uh, in China over fiscal year 19. Two-year revenue growth, 23 percent. That's double-digit top-line growth. And, uh, you know, much of that is a combination of our new stores that we're opening. The new stores we're opening in China are performing at higher uh, revenue levels and higher profitability than prior generations which means the brand is resonating with our customers. And so, you know, I think this was a record quarter in China. Uh, When you look at that top line revenue growth, the new stores that we've opened, and the fact that we've increased digital uh, customer relationships in China to over 17 million. And so we, you know, we continue to, the brand continues to resonate very well in China. You know, our our comps have accelerated, two-year comps have accelerated, and we post uh, 23% two-year revenue growth in China. All right, Kevin, the wise guys are telling me, well, wait a second, coffee went up 50 percent last week. Uh, I tell them that you actually thought that coffee could go up and you uh, you prepared for that. So could you explain to people how it's possible that Starbucks is not being hurt by the rising price of coffee? Well, certainly, you know, if you look at the, the commodities price of coffee, the C price, you know, it's gone up significantly lately. A lot of that is due to weather in Brazil. But what people don't know is, you know, at Starbucks, we have a coffee buying strategy that we buy our green coffee 12 to 18 months in advance. So we are already price locked for, uh, for, four, for more than 14 months, which means we've already purchased the green coffee that we need, the Arabica coffee. 
you know, certainly for the rest of this fiscal year and for most of fiscal year 22, and we've got it warehoused. So, you know, not only do we have a great cost basis for that coffee, but we have a supply, adequate supply. We're not going to run out of coffee and we're going to have it at a good cost. Kevin, uh, it's David. On, on that note, though, in terms of inflation, uh, your CFO on the call did say that your operating margins tempered by two factors, one of which is um, rising global inflation requiring continued incremental investments to support growth and rising wages. Your goal, of course, to get to 15 bucks in the U.S. in line with the announcement you made. So are operating margins going to be tempered for the foreseeable future as a result? Well, David, you got to consider we saw significant expansion in operating margin this quarter, and that's uh, even with these inflationary headwinds. And so Rachel did highlight the fact that there are some inflationary headwinds. And I think certainly, uh, you know, we're going to continue to invest in our partners. You know, we've always done that at Starbucks, and we're going to continue to make the wage investments that we think uh, are appropriate to recognize them for the great work they are doing to create that great experience for our customers in the stores. And so, you know, I see that as a good investment. Right. Uh, But what are your expectations when it comes to inflation beyond, obviously, the inventory of coffee you have where you can sort of offset it? Uh, Is it something you're concerned about preparing for uh, or feel like you have you kind of know where things are headed? Yeah, I'd say it's something that we know where things are headed and we've prepared for it and we're not concerned. I think, you know, the combination of, you know, we can use price in some cases, but we've got so much efficiency that we're getting off of, you know, the, the leverage that we're getting as we scale up in our stores you know, we can offset some of that inflationary pressure, you know, in terms of operating efficiency, some of it through price, and uh, and a lot of it through just being smart about how we run our business. And that's why our coffee sourcing strategy, you know, I think is a big asset. There are no other companies that I know of that buy that far in advance and have that kind of safety net. And so I think that's going to give us a competitive advantage. And Kevin, I'm sorry. uh, Really quick, the markets at market at large is wrestling with this Delta variant. We're watching UK cases, which have been concerning, but they've also been cut in half over 10 days. I just wonder how you are absorbing that data and what the trigger point is for closing a store, say in the UK or maybe in the US. Well, you know, Carl, we, you know, we, we manage our stores market by market. And, uh, you know, what I, what I think right now, we have a solution to, to this pandemic, and it's the vaccinations. And so, you know, as long as we stay on the front foot getting as many people vaccinated as we can around the world, we're going to continue to overcome this. And, uh, you know, if it means wearing masks in our stores, we're happy to do that. And we've been doing that throughout this quarter. You know, I looked at uh, just in, in geographies in the United States that had, uh, you know, more more uh, spread of this uh, this latest variant, and candidly, their their same store comps were higher than the national average. So, I don't see this impacting us. We have store protocols; we can rapidly adapt to to whatever happens with this variant. But the fact that there's vaccine out there, there's a solution to this. And uh, I think the more the world gets access to that vaccine, and we help people get vaccinated, uh, it's just going to keep getting better and better. Uh, Kevin, there, there is something going on uh, with the American consumer. The stark thing that I saw, cold beverage. I mean, is cold beverage just taking over hot? Yeah, you know, Jim, I, I mentioned this mix shift. We, we saw, I think, 74% of all beverages uh, this last quarter in the United States were cold beverage. And look, much of that is driven by the innovation that we've, we've brought to market in cold brew, nitro cold brew, uh, Iced shaken espresso beverages, our refreshers, those are all coffee-based uh, cold beverages. 
And I tell you, the, the really positive thing about this is cold beverages really resonate with the Gen Z and the millennial generation. That younger generation, uh, you know, is really embracing those cold beverages. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's, that's driving premium beverages and more customization, which is also helping us expand margin. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for coming on. I know that the stock market's not rewarding anything right now. Uh, but once again, Starbucks back, doing terrific. Kevin Johnson, CEO of Starbucks. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll take a break here. As Jim says, uh, tape is wrestling a bit. Dow's gone negative. We only got a couple of sectors green, among them healthcare, energy, and communication services. Although the VIX has come in a bit, a lot more after a break. Don't go away. Got plenty of choices tonight. Yeah, Carl, the market is angry. Uh, Wingstop, one of the greatest performers of our generation. People saying the costs are going up. They're just looking for something to say why Charlie's not doing well, which, of course, he is. And Rockwell Automation, so many dollars in this one, but they are in. When you need to, to build an EV factory, it's Rockwell Automation. And once again, a great quarter, but nobody cares. We're in a nobody cares environment, uh, which means people want it to go down. People are buying puts. People are so thrilled to be negative. Yeah. So let them be negative. We drive by of the things we didn't out. get to, right? Shopify, IMAX, Garmin, Mondelez, T-Doc, Mattel, Six. What did we miss? The only one that is Shopify wasn't bad at all, but I knew they were going to be because they said something cautionary. They, they, uh, it's going to go. Mattel had nothing cautionary. And there's something. Yeah, Mattel's although not great. the Hasbro-like blowout that we got earlier in no, the week. No, but the stock did go up ahead of, uh, of it. Now, McDonald's is typical of this market. Oh, it's been up. That's why. Let's sell it. I mean, the let's sell it crowd, which includes my partner here to my left, is... Uh, Wait, what? You say let's sell it. I, what do you, when have I ever said anything like that? Well, I, you haven't really. I just okay. was using you as a foil. Yes. Okay, just trying to make foil. sure I'm paying You're attention. You're a foil. Yes, I am a fool. Okay, you're a fool. Sometimes I'm a fool. Well, no, you're never a fool. But, yeah, people want to be negative. Say, let them be negative. Let them sell. We'll catch it lower. Let them sell. Let them be just just unhappy. Uh, Jim, we'll see you at 6. Matt okay. Money, of course, with Jim Cramer. You've been listening to The Opening Bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.